Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Hey, Kooky, glad to have you back, mate. This is uh, getting to the real sharp end of the deal. It really is. Since our last meeting, we've had a lot of important information. The RBA's meeting next week, a rate hike, another one, is priced into the system. Well, actually but, three. Well, the three are priced in. And, in fact, we've actually got some tentative evidence coming through the economy more generally that maybe inflation starting to come down and definitely the economy slowing down. So they've got a really difficult balancing act on about how many more hikes they actually need. And then, as we'll discuss later, you know, will we be starting to talk rate cuts in 2024? Well, as we know, our good mate Bill, who has been in this room with you and I, <laughs> Bill Evans from Westpac, Chief Economist, been around a million years, talking about perhaps in 24, 25, seven rate reductions or something along those lines. He is. Uh, he's talking a couple more rate hikes first, like yeah. the market's priced in because the Reserve Bank is so hawkish and, you know, the inflation rate is still high. Global conditions are impacting us in Australia. The deceleration in inflation in the US isn't panning out as quickly as many people would fear. So they've priced in more rate hikes from the US Federal Reserve over there. That's spilled over into our market. But Bill's point is, and it's a really interesting read, if you ever get a chance to read the Westpac research, he's saying that, in a sense, you, they need to keep hiking, even with a weak economy, to squeeze this inflation back to the target. But when they achieve it, they'll be able to say, okay, we've you know, we've lent on the economy enough now. We can sort of take a little bit of the pressure off the economy and that's where I think he's getting his seven rate cuts in 2024 and 2025. Yeah, seven rate cuts in his case would be seven 25 basis point uh, rate cuts. Yes. Um, as opposed to us, we're talking about nine rate rises, but what we f- keep forgetting is that's actually 13 25 basis point yeah, rises. Yeah, there were 450s. Yeah, there were 450 that. rate rises. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've actually been hit a lot harder than we think. And that's 13... Rate rises at 25 base points per rise in less than 12 months. Yeah. That is like pretty significant in a backward-looking sense. And it is when we actually look at the total number of percentage points or basis points of rate hikes since May last year, we're now at 325 basis points, which is the biggest hiking cycle since the early 1990s. So that's a bit of context. It's, it, you know, it's, it's serious sort of stuff. Now, admittedly, that was coming from the COVID, uh, what do we call it, emergency 0.1% cash rate. So that was never oh, going to oh, be sustained. Mate, I want to call it overspend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but government overspend. Well, no, no, because like I'm a Milton Friedman fan, right? And Friedman has yeah. always said, Inflation is never caused by consumers. 
is caused by governments. Yep. Look, if we don't have the money, we don't go and spend it. 100%. If the money's, if money's, money's being pumped into our pockets through either really low interest rates or very generous cash payments, JobKeeper, and I'm not being critical of JobKeeper, I thought it was a good policy, but it worked a little too well. well, <laughs> we can, well can, can we get a little bit political for once? Okay, you know, yeah, like we sure. never do. Yeah. But and, and I'm not going to have a crack at any one particular party because both sure. parties had to f- vote in favour of what went through the lower house in terms of funding for the for the economy during COVID. So, you know, both parties had a chance to do something about it. But can we just explain what the supply of money actually means? And I just and I would like to quickly touch on the behavioural aspects of that. So, you know, because all this this interest rate changes, it's all about the psychology of trying to change our behaviour. Yeah. So every time they put the rates up, it is a reserve bank trying to change our behaviour. It is. Change our behaviour through sentiment, but also, as you said, the amount of money. Yeah. So if you're on a... Money supply. Correct. So there's a couple of different aspects. If we look at it from an individual's perspective, you're earning X dollars, you allocate Y dollars to your mortgage, and therefore you've got that much left over to spend on holidays and cars and, and essential items too. When they hike rates, it puts up that interest uh, component of your income. So your income, and there's interest payments and other spending. If your interest payments go up by, let's say, a thousand dollars a month, which, which I is think typical is of a five hundred thousand dollar loan, correct from, from a year ago. From a year ago, so a thousand dollars a month. It's it's big money. Twelve grand a year. It means that you've got twelve grand less to spend elsewhere in the economy. So in a sense, even though you're still getting the same wage, you know your cash flow has changed and that rate hiking cycle also means that people, and we've got to talk about depositors sometimes, are saying, well, hang on, if I can now shop around and get three and a half, maybe 4% on a deposit, well, I'm going to put that away and I'm going to save up for my holiday or or my deposit for a house because house prices are still soft. I'm going to put money in the bank. So therefore, the money is sucked out of the system and back into deposits. And by the way, it goes back to the banking system. Correct, correct. Which then you know, <laughs> we got to, I guess we don't want to follow that money. But well, what's important, because we, because everyone keeps talking about the interest rate period, the interest rate changes to influence our behaviour, but no one's talking about the reduction in money supply. So yeah. there has been a significant reduction from the Reserve Bank in money supply, the $188 billion, which is now due 1 March. It was a three-year, yeah. fa- maybe you explained that what it was, because it was yeah. a three-year facility. In the onset of COVID three years ago, uh, one of the measures that the Reserve Bank uh, did to help support the banking sector, remembering that we didn't know what was happening in the economy, we actually thought we'd have the biggest economic slump since the 1930s Great Depression, 15% unemployment. That was what people were thinking. So what the RBA did in their wisdom, they set up a term funding facility for the banks where they lent the banks just under $200 billion dollars at 0.1%, so basically nothing. And, of course, the bank said, terrific, that'll help us, and not in a greedy sense. I don't want to be knocking the banks. Well, the money's it, there. They're going the to take it. The money's there. They're going to take it. And it actually helped the it did actually help the economy get through the COVID lockdowns. Too much, but anyway. Too much, but at the time you can understand why they did it. Now that basically free money for the banks, you know, $188 billion or thereabouts. And they lend it at 2% coming, fixed rates. Yeah. And this is part of the mortgage cliff issue, yeah, which yeah. we might touch on later, but the banks have got had all this cash they lent it on, now the party's over. They have to pay back. They're going to start paying it back today. Because the facility the facility yep. expires today. Yep. Today, March. First of March, time of recording this. Yes, yes, yes. indeed. And, uh, and, and what all the banks will have to do is they'll have to find the money from somewhere else. 
and they will not be paying 0.1 of a percent for that money <laughs> no. that they find from somewhere else, no. which means the bank's cost of funds is going to increase, which is the reason why CBA posted a record 50, uh, sorry, record 5 billion plus cash profit for the half year, why their shares went down because the profit <laughs> they made was on that money, was Correct. on the difference between the 0.1 and the fixed rates that they had. But now the market's worked out all the smarties, all the analysts have worked out and from now on you've got to start raising money at a much higher rate, which means they're going to have to pass that rate on somewhere and that's going yes. to get passed on to those consumers who are going to go from the fixed rate because those fixed rates expire three years too. Correct. So those fixed rates were what they call book matched. So when the bank offered a fixed rate of two or three years on a mortgage property, it was book matched to the three years that the banks had to repay back the TFF. The, you know, the uh, term funding facility. So what that means is we're going into this really rough territory now where banks have to raise money to pay back the Reserve Bank and they're not going to raise it at 0.1 of a percent. What they're hoping is that they're going to get it from people whose fixed rates stop and become variable rates and uh, therefore there's not going to be, banks aren't going to be saying, they're not going to be too kind to you if you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. So expect banks to really draw that money back. So, I mean, we're getting off topic a little bit, I guess, but I think it's important for us to give a, a bit of context around this. So the supply of money rarely gets talked about when we talk hear stuff in the media. It's always about interest rate increases. That, that of course, affects the supply of money to a household, as you just greatly explained clearly. But the supply of money to the system generally yeah. has been turned off. Correct. Correct. And it's, and, not, but it's not just the, 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 the money to the banks, yep. it's the government spending. Indeed. In fact, we, we're seeing in the budget numbers, they, they get put out every month and it's partly because of they're collecting lots of revenue from high company profits. You know, we've heard a lot about the wage and profit debate. I won't get into that. But companies are making good profits right now. Were. Sorry, were pay, earning good profits and they pay company tax on that. Fair enough. Particularly the mining companies, they're still making plenty of, yeah, plenty totally. of dosh. Uh, and they pay tax. So the budget is improving. So instead of the $135 billion budget deficit at the sort of height of the pandemic, it looks like we're going to get a budget deficit maybe 25 or $30 billion, $100 billion less. So pretty easy to work out the maths on that. There's $100 billion less of government money being sloshed around the economy. And in fact, and even though it's the companies that are paying the tax, it's still money that's coming out of the, the system yep. into the government. Who's the government's banker? The Reserve Bank. The Reserve Bank have got some bond holdings that they're going to be starting to mature, different to the term funding facility, but it's another part of what was called quantitative easing. And those bonds start, are starting to mature about now Which as well. The, they, they, the Reserve so, Bank will pay it back. Correct. So they'll pay it back. So, so that's the, the money sloshing the system is unsloshing, if that's the right word, about but, now. But, but basically yeah. that means that it's coming, it's leaving our pockets, the consumer's pockets, yep. and ending back up into the professional markets. So it's going back into the banking system. It's going back to bondholders who are professional investors globally. could be someone that could be PIMCO in the US, could be sure. anybody. Um, but it's definitely leaving the pockets of households. I think that's, that's the most one thing, important. That's one thing that is really important. And that's why when we look at the economy and the data on the economy most recently, it's things related to the household sector that are the biggest weakening parts of the economy. Oh, is it Re 11.30? Oh, no, it's not. Not quite. Not quite, Mark. But 11.30. Because you made me think about something yeah, when you said that. What, yeah. what, you know, well, tell well, us what's happening. We're recording this on the 1st of March, Wednesday yeah. the 1st, and in about five minutes' time we're actually going to be getting the December quarter GDP figures and the 
monthly January inflation number. I've got my uh, phone here to look at those numbers and they're being released in about 10 minutes, Mark. Because what, what, what that made matters. Me, what, totally. What made me think about that then, because we'll, we'll look at your um, your tightening neutral easing board a little bit later and the top one is GDP, of course. Yep. But what made me think of that just then was that um, you talked about the effect of household consumption or household spending on the GDP number, it makes up about 70% of the total number. Yes. That's a really important number. In aggregate, including what they spend on housing and everything. So we consumers drive most of the economy. Sure, business investment's important. It is. Sure, our exports are important. They are, but we also import a lot of stuff too, which when we buy an import, we're actually giving a foreign producer that money and yeah, so there, there is an offset there and while we're a good exporting country right now there's still these what we call leakages in the economy but it's us consumers that's and that's what the RBA is trying government's to do. Yeah. Government's big too of course yes. But can I just then on that so we'll soon see what the number is but would it be fair to say that as a result of money being withdrawn from the system yep. and interest rates increasing at the same time against all those people in the mortgage part of the market or with debt um are you expecting um, a reduction in household consumption or household spending relative to you know GDP just yet? It, it'll be weakening. The rate of growth will be weakening sharply. One thing to remember when we look at data in 2023, our borders have reopened. Population growth is 1.5%. So if all of us buy the same amount of stuff and the new immigrants too, Household spending growth will increase by 1.5%, but in per capita terms, it'll be a big fat zero. Right. So when we look at the aggregate numbers, I think it's important. This is what I think a lot of the discussion issue will be about per capita GDP. Right. You might recall, I think it was 2018, it was pre-pandemic. We had a couple of quarters where GDP was pretty weak uh, and people sort of saying, oh, what's GDP per capita? It actually went backwards and there was this discussion about a GDP per capita recession, that is per person GDP was going backwards, even though the the top line economic growth was 0.5. But if population growth is 0.6 per quarter, then you're actually going backwards. And I think that'll mask some of the weakness. But basically, yes, we're seeing it in some of the retail sales numbers, certainly consumer sentiment, that consumers are reacting to cost of living and rate hikes. I don't know if this is right up your alley, but maybe, I mean, I I think that this discussion from the RBA has changed a little bit and he's starting to talk about or they're starting to talk, talk about wage price spiralling. In other words, yeah. the fear of people earning too much money, which is affected by the level of unemployment because if you think you're never going to lose your job because there's you know, basically zero unemployment, um, that you're going to ask your boss for more money and therefore and the boss has to pay because the demand is – Greater than supply. Um, So, and therefore, the theory goes, or the thesis is, um, I am earning a lot more, everyone's earning a lot more money, therefore everyone's got a lot more money to spend, and therefore um, small business owners think, oh, I can now charge, instead of four bucks a cup of coffee, I can charge everyone $4.20 because everybody's, you know, trying to buy more coffee. And yep. there, and then the then the employee goes, well, hang on, I used to, I, I thought it was going good, but now I'm paying an extra twenty cents for everything, yep. um, so I now need more money, and that so goes the, the wage price spiral. So where Perfect, are we at? Perfectly summed up. Where I think that was at? a nice description. We don't have a wage price spiral. We've got the price spiral. Yeah, we know inflation's high. Yeah, that's been an issue for twelve to eighteen months now, yep. maybe a little bit longer. But during this last month, since we met 
uh, a month ago, we had the all-important wage price index, wages data in other words, and the market and even our friends at the Reserve Bank were thinking that the annual increase would be 3.5%. So even if that came true, it'd be one of those ones that's a bit like Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold, just right. But it actually came in at 3.3. Now, in economics, like a lot of things, 0.2 difference is actually quite a lot. It's actually a meaningful undershoot in the wage forecast. This is statistically significant. It is, it is. And every analyst that I've read, you know, I get lots of uh, research reports from the big banks and other, other think tanks and the like. Everyone said, oh, that's a little bit disappointing. As in, it was a bit weaker. But what it also confirmed is the link that the RBA flagged as a possible concern, let's, let's cut them some slack, is not coming through in terms of higher wages, feeding to higher prices, feeding to higher wages, feeding to higher prices, the spiral that you the nicely th- summarised. But it is a thesis. It's a thesis. And, and back in the 70s and 80s, it was true. Yep. We had it. And that sort of clouded, well, not clouded, it, it's in the back of everyone's mind well, now that we've, got in, Bank. that we've got high inflation now. And they you know, they don't mind wages growth to be, you know, three and a half-ish, maybe 4% per annum. But they were worried if it starts getting to four and a half and five percent, which it isn't. We're still a mile away from that. But if it did get to that level, they would then be concerned that they couldn't get inflation down. Okay, can I ask you this then? I mean, there's lots of variables when it comes to wage price spiraling or wages spiraling. How important is the level of unemployment relative to this issue, which the Reserve Bank seems to me have been talking about a lot lately? Yeah. It's a huge issue. Uh, in the last six months, I've been doing a lot of corporate lunches and meetings and whatnot, and I think everyone I've spoken to, whether they're in construction, IT, retail, whatever, whether they're in Brisbane, Hobart, Perth, labour shortages are a problem. What they were doing to try to um, uh, keep their staff and attract the new staff was either to offer some pay increases or other retention issues or flexibility issues. Oh, you can work from home. Oh, yeah, I'll work there because I like working from home. So there were some non-financial benefits that were being offered to workers to try to retain them. Now, it still meant that a lot of businesses were struggling to keep up with demand, so the supply chain problems, because I can't find the staff I need to make my stuff. Restaurants. Yep, they were shutting the door because I can't find people to wash the dishes, for goodness sake. You know, that's how tough or tight the labour market was. But interestingly, Mark, one of the really important things that's unfolding as we speak, well, with the economy slowing down a bit, that'll sort of free up the labour market a bit. But arguably bigger than that is what the government's doing on immigration. We know in the October budget last year, they ramped up skilled migration to 195,000 people per annum. Skilled migration, by definition, is people coming into Australia. Now, they still want to come here. Look at it. We're a great place. Who wouldn't want to come and live here? So people are coming into Australia. They're working and they are filling some of that skilled vacancy shortage. That's important. Which takes pressure off wages. Wages, correct. So while it helps the business sector, phew, I've got the staff I need. I can function and do whatever I do. But it also means that the wage pressures aren't going to be as acute either. Against the employer. Correct, because I can get my staff. The other thing which is big, which is a sort of secondary thing, 
uh, it actually feeds into housing demand too, by the way, is foreign students coming back to our universities. A great export earner for the Australian economy, fabulous. But, you know, they often take casual work. They're the ones who do the dishes and yep. do, do the casual 20 hours a week uh, here and there. Shows are and Correct. Stuff. And a really important part of our economy functioning, they get a few bucks and they can sort of have a nice time and all the rest of it while they're studying at uni. Uh, that's come back too. So it says to me that that wage pressure that you know, we, 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 we fear is going to be too high will not be all that high through 2023. And, and again, speaking of Bill Evans again, our, our mate at Westpac, he's actually revised down, after those wage numbers came out a few weeks ago, he revised down his outlook for wages growth on the basis of that and the fact that the unemployment rate's just starting to tick up a little bit. Well, so given that, and we're going to look at your board in a second, but given that, is the Reserve Bank going too hard? Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Look, they're... they're they're playing with fire, I think, now. That February hike and the hawk is just – and a probable hike next week. Let's cut to the chase. Yep. They're probably going to go in next week. It's priced into the market. Totally they're going to go priced. 25. So. They've got it trapped in the system and they're yeah, not yeah. going to let and it they go. Can't, no, they can't shock the market by holding. No, yeah, yeah. that's done. I, I, I think that they're running the risk of just going a little too hard and not being patient. Now, that might sound a funny thing to say when we know that inflation's really high. Global conditions, as we'll mention, US Federal Reserve's hiking – you know, more and more and more because inflation in the US is more stubborn. It's coming down, but not rapidly. The RBA is saying that and thinking, gee, you know, we've, we've just got to keep going. And remember that our official interest rates are well below those of the US and New Zealand and Canada and the UK. We're actually, we believe it or not, we even hiked as much as most other countries, which is a really interesting phenomenon. But our inflation but isn't as bad as it is. It isn't as bad, yeah. true. But I think the RBA just wants to be sure that they, oh, I'd say, almost keep up with the other countries. You know, the Aussie dollar's under pressure this last week. So back, yes. back at 67 cents. We were at 71. Big time back. So we're down four cents, which is a big move in the Aussie. Lot, yeah. And if they don't move and the others do move, you know, we could, I wouldn't say we'd have a currency crisis, but we could easily see the Aussie dip into the low 60s. So they're going to be guess what? That, that feeds into inflation. Yep. It's 11.30. We better have a look. Can I just quickly get into my... Uh, Please, Cookie, let's check it. This is going to be... I'm so excited. I love economic data. So go Straight to the, to the ABS.com. ABS bit. website. Yep. Here we go. Oh, GDP was only 0.5. Oh, my God. So a soft result. What, what, what was the market expectation? Expectations was 0.8. Yeah. Uh, so it was 0.5 seasonally adjusted, 2.7 annual. The expectations were about 2.8. So there must right. have been a little bit of an upward revision elsewhere. But 0.5 is pretty weak. Uh, and so I'll just read off the <laughs> the ABS uh, webpage here. The last three quarters, 0.9, 0.7, 0.5. Wow. It's Down the slightly. right direction. 
it's slowing. That, that's a significant so change, by the it way. It is. And the RBA would see this number and they would think, yay, as my kids would say. Yep. You know, um, we want the economy to slow down. As you were saying, it was too hot. There was too much stimulus in the economy, you know, 6, 9, 12, 18 months ago. Too much cash. Hence the rate hikes. So they'll be seeing this and I'll be seeing this and thinking, that's good news. It actually feeds into the narrative, have they done enough? Yeah, possibly. Even Well, let's assume they do go next week. Then I'd be increasing. Then the argument is going to be, have they gone too far? Then, then they'll be, let's sit tight in April, May, June and see how the rate hikes go. I think that's where I'd my bias would be just having a quick look at this. And I'll just check the um, monthly CPI. Yeah, that's out today too. Which was out today. Just bear with me. Oh, my goodness. Another shock result, and onto the downside, the annual increase was seven point four percent. Market expectations were eight. Wow! So this is the so in the month of December. This, I know. Okay, I'll take a step back. Quarterly, monthly CPI. Yep. This yep. is the experimental monthly yep. one. Yep. In the month of December, the annual increase was eight point four. Market expectations were eight point zero. It's coming at seven point four. So my quick observation, without digging into the entrails of the data, GDP a bit weaker. Monthly inflation, with all the caveats, with its experimental and all the rest of it, much weaker than the market was looking for and what the Reserve Bank were looking for. I think as we're discussing this, okay, the rate hike next week happens. I'd be willing to bet a bottle of nice red wine that we this this is it now. This is it now. The RBA just can't. Keep hiking when we know that there's a bit of pain in the economy. Okay, so, uh, okay, Kirk, let's look at the board. Yep. And, uh, you know, you've explained most of the inputs really well today. So let's see how we go. I'll, so I'll let's start go off. through this quite quickly because yep. we have discussed. So the GDP number, which just came out, 0.5% for the December quarter, we're neutral. It's We don't have to hike anymore because the economy's overheating. We don't have to cut yet. It's sort of like the Goldilocks number. Inflation, look. Even though there's evidence it's turning down, is still too high. Yep. So if inflation was your sole purpose, it's on the tightening side of the of the check. But are going in the right direction. Starting to go in the right direction. I think we'll probably need another couple of months and seeing what's happening globally before we move that one to neutral. And we need to see what the adjustments are too, because correct these new monthly numbers. Oh. Are not perfect. <laughs> They're not perfect. They they only capture about two thirds things. And and this is the thing that the Bureau of Stats put out. Just by the way, without going to the entrails of the CPI and how inflation's calculated, about one third of all prices in there only change once a year, like school fees. Mm. It only changes once a year, and then they're steady for the rest of the year. So there's a few quirks in those numbers and the monthly numbers. So Which is why the things need to be adjusted. Which is why they're saying it's an experimental ind- indicator. Okay, the labour market. Look, I'm going to move that between tightening and neutral. Wages are picking up. The unemployment rate at 3.7% has increased, but it's still relatively low. So it's sort of bordering on, you know, wages, unemployment, sort of not quite neutral yet. But if again, going the right direction. Going the, yes. A couple of months ago, this was in the tightening column when unemployment was 3.4. Yep. So it's right. Wages, speak of the devil. I'm going to say they're neutral. That number that came out, 3.3, it's nowhere near being the inflation um, driving wage increase that you'd you'd fear to see. International economy, I'm going to look on growth. I'd put it in easing, but on inflation, I'll put it in neutral because inflation, as we're saying, is a little bit more stubborn than we were thinking a couple of months ago. House prices, ah, I'm going to put that in neutral too. 
I don't think they'd cut because we've had house prices peak to trough currently at 9.1, I think, according to the core logic numbers, which came out uh, earlier today too. Uh, so after that boom, minus nine, no, they wouldn't ease. Do they need to hike because of house prices? Well, no, not while well, they're doing that anyway. So that's in the neutral column. Retail sales, I'm going to move that to the edge of easing, that consumer thing we were talking about. Retail sales in the December quarter were uh, negative in volume terms. We had a little bit of a bounce in January, but it's after a minus four in December. We, we had, had 1.9. But we had a good November. We had and, a good November. A, a bit of a, a sort of There's a, a quirk in a, all a of them. Behavioural like, change correct. Because, because of Black Friday, et cetera. All that stuff. Yeah. But I'll put it in yeah, yeah. neutral think, to slightly easing. And all the retails, yeah, you know, and, and good old Harvey Norman came out yesterday with a poor profit. Their share price got smacked 10%. And if you know, Harvey Norman aren't selling TVs, videos and beds and these yeah, things. Their, their, and their share price fell 10%. Wow. JB Hi-Fi's down. Yeah, the, the, what do we call it? Discretionary spending is the one where it's being hit. So I'd put the retail sales in that consumer central. Well, that's definitely in the easing column. Yeah, down. We consumers are gloomy as can be. Building approvals. Uh, we want to build more houses because of this high demand from immigration. I'd put that more towards the easing side. We want to build more, and the interest rates are a impediment to developers building. Correct. Apartments, you know yep, that better yep, than anybody. Yep. So that's I'd put that in easing. But, but I might just make one comment on that. But the yep. problem is, if we don't get enough building approvals, rentals go up, which then affects inflation. Oh, and the rent, correct. And, and, and you know, like rent, housing rental yep, is yep. a component of the one of the you know ninety-one inputs into inflation. So yes. so it's a problem, you know. And 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 rent is the rental market now is a is arguably a bigger problem than the house price. Well, it is in the US too, by the way. Yes. It's a big Rents, driver yep. of inflation in the US yep. and they keep talking about it. So we need to build more houses, yeah, particularly yeah. if we've got, you know, all this immigration coming, we need to build more. Business investment, that's a good number. We, it came out the other day. I'll put that in neutral. I was surprised, but anyway. Yeah, businesses are, are, are investing. There was an increase in the December quarter. Is that the mining or non-mining? non-mining so- uh, non-mining is actually doing well. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. what I reckon was happening – during the COVID lockdowns, a lot of companies shelved. They had their ideas. Yep. They shelved a lot of them. You can't do it. We're not sure where the economy is going. Now that we've got through the COVID lockdowns, they're saying, actually, our IT systems need to be, have more money spent on them. A lot of it's that sort of cap, yep. CapEx that's occurring. So, But it's, it's a good story. You don't want to hike to kill it off. You don't need to ease because it's not bad, so that's in the neutral column. Business confidence, same. The NAB survey has got business confidence coming down a bit. But businesses are way more optimistic than consumers. I'll put that in neutral. Commodity prices, gosh, I'm going to be putting a few more on the neutral. They've come off a bit. They're suggesting that some of the headline inflation numbers will start to come down. You know, the oil price is 80 US dollars a barrel, was 120. Good for inflation, but it's not calamitous. You know, iron ore is still strong. We're saying that about the federal budget. You know, Treasurer Jim Chalmers must be doing a little jig in his office when he sees the commodity prices. You know, he's getting lots of tax revenue from... Yeah, because the fortescues of the world are paying a fortune. They're paying a truckload. Woodside came out yesterday, I think, and they're paying... I think their half yearly payment, I have to just check this, was over $2 billion in tax. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, yeah. um, stock market, is, it's weakening, but because of sort of the bond yield sell-off, I'll put that in neutral. Look, the RBA wouldn't necessarily cut because of the stock market. Yeah. It has to tank yeah. for them to really have that as an indicator the for GFC's them. Style. And the current rates, I'm going to put that easing, well, in between neutral and easing, rates are currently mildly restrictive. They're not easy. The 3.35 cash rate we've got today is impacting. Rate hike next week, 3.6%. 
they don't need to hike anymore. It doesn't say they, they have to ease, but it's as an indicator of pressures on future interest rate settings, they don't need to hike much more. And as Bill Evans was saying, sorry to go back to Bill, if you're watching this, Bill, we've given you a good, good coverage today. He might just be right that because rates are restrictive and they'll be more restrictive in the next month or two, we get to the end of the year, inflation's lower, the economy's weaker, unemployment's crept up a bit, wages are well under control. RBA thinks, well, possibly with a new governor, dare I say, uh, at the end of the year, might think, well, actually, we can, we can trim rates a bit. Well, a new governor, by the way, would be inclined to do that, be able to say the previous governor's gone too hard. Well, that's yes. How, that's how that's stuff works. the politics of uh, the that's, RBA, that's, correct. That's it, mate, I think, yeah, not a bad observation. And, and, so, and, and just yeah. on this, so given that, yep. we, 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 you and I have agreed that there's going to be a 25 base points because yep. they backed themselves in a bit of a corner on that one. Yes. But what would you say for the future? Do you say, given all this, yep. unless something changes on the yep. board, where do you reckon it's going to go? You I reckon they hike in March next week at the board meeting to 3.6. And I think despite their more hawkish rhetoric of, of a month ago, the facts will tell them to hold tight in April and May. Wait and see. Wait and see. It's like uh, your doctor gives you a, a course of medicine to take. You take the first tablet. Oh, it hasn't fixed me yet. No, you've got to take the whole lot. Oh, the last tablet, still not better. You wait for it to work. You wait for it to work. Same with monetary policy. You know, your hike rates, it's not going to fix the economy tomorrow or next month. And don't forget, as you said, we're up to, gosh, what is it, uh, 14 rate hikes by yeah. the end of next it's, week? It's, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Four, no, 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 a lot of uh, toughness that's being delivered through monetary policy. Yeah, so, I mean, I, and I think also, Steve, just to, from my point of view anyway, because we, we, you and I keep getting surprised because yep. they come up with new arguments every meeting <laughs> and uh, they'll come back and say something like the wage price file or before no. that they'll talk about inflation and, and uh, blah, 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 yeah. you know, or global global commodity prices. But everything seems to be getting ticked off as we go. Like you've just ticked everything off. Everything they yeah. cover has been ticked off except inflation. Okay? Inflation's the problem still. We yeah. wanted that to confirm. And the labour market's still relatively tight and while we, while we sort of um, poured a bit of cold water on the wage price spiral argument, you know, if, if the economy is more resilient in the next six months, who knows? I might be wrong. And if there's more resilience and the unemployment rate doesn't go up much and we get the next wage number at 3.7, not impossible. I don't think it'll happen, but it's not impossible. Then that will keep them on a tightening bias. What could, what could surprise? What, what could surprise us on the uh, CPI or inflation? What 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 inputs? Yeah. What do you think could be the surprise play here? You know, come and do something, ruin the whole game. Yeah, uh, in my view, I I think that if we get some of these global conditions, China opening up. Uh, after its COVID lockdowns, it's now ramping up its production. And again, when we look at Chinese economic growth, it's one of the countries in the world whose GDP forecasts for uh, growth in 2023 has been revised up. Yep. You know, everyone's revising down the US, down Europe, down Aussie, you know. China reopening, cranking up their manufacturing process. They're still the global manufacturer. You know, they're the best manufacturing country in the world, cheap, effective, good quality stuff. They're ramping it up after the lockdown. That might be the thing that puts a bit of a floor under inflation. But having said that, I think I'm more inclined to look at things like coal price, 
lumber prices, timber, which goes into construct, housing construction in particular globally, they've all come down. Freight shipping costs have come down massively. Supply chain problems, there's the uh, Purchasing Managers Index, the PMI. They have one of the questions, this is a global thing, what's your uh, delivery times? When supply chains were a problem, those delivery times blew out to a, a year. Now they're back to three months, which is average. It's where it was pre-pandemic. So all of, not all, most of the things that caused inflation to go from 2% in 2020 to 8% in 2022 have not only stopped doing their thing, they've actually reversed. And that says to me that if I was to, if I was a betting man, I would say we'll actually get downside surprises on inflation through this year. And the RBA will see them and they'll think, well, we've done enough. I just don't know which month that'll be, which, which goes to show we maybe want to see the March quarter inflation numbers which come out at the end of April, but that's for a couple of months' time. And, and then finally, so a different topic, but it's, it's, we'll cover it off quickly though, is house prices. Yep. Um, and house prices are affected by most of those things on your board, but one of the things that's not on your board that affects house prices is the lag effect. So the general view is that they're of the three currently 3.25% of interest rate rises, there is a 1.8% still to be felt, that, 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 like to hit the system. Yep. And, um, and, and that's not in – but also on top of that, there's all, like 45% of Westpac's book is fixed rate, yeah. which comes off this year. Yeah. So those people are all going to go from 2% per annum to 5 and something percent. Um, yep. So what do you think, where do you think yeah. house prices are going to go? Well, we had the core logic numbers out for February. They, they showed a tiny fall, 0.1 nationwide. Sydney actually rose. By, by 0.3. By 0.3 month on month. The other cities were minus 0.3, 0.2. Except for Adelaide and Perth, they went up. Yeah, Adelaide, yes, which is amazing. So it says to me that could be it could be a bit of seasonality that, you know, the new year, prices were stronger. Could be that this really tight rental market is seeing the bottom of the market get some demand. Investors are saying, well, if I can buy a, a low cost, I won't call it cheap, a low cost property. Yeah, by, I'll, by I'll, way, somewhere in Adelaide. I'll, yeah, I'll rent it out easily. I'll Which get is a, what's happening. Yeah, really good rent, rental yield on my property for the first time in ages. I'm getting a decent uh, rent. I'm going to step into the market. And as we mentioned while interest rates clearly are a negative for housing, they clearly are. Your borrowing capacity, your um, current people sort of saying, I've got to sit tight and just get my mortgage down while interest rates are going up. Um, we do have the demographic trends being a partial, at least a partial offset. And remember with the skilled migration program, it's 195,000 people who have a skill. What do skilled people do? They tend to earn money than more money than the average. They tend to be able to buy a property. Now, there's a there's some research done on when do new immigrants buy a, buy a house as opposed to rent one. It's usually 18 to 24 months after they arrive. You know, they've got a rent. Do they like living in Sydney or Melbourne or wherever? Uh, and then they settle down and buy a place. So that says to me that the housing price decline, it's ambiguous where if it's going to be, we'll return to the monthly 1% falls that we saw through the bulk of last year, 12% annualised sort of rate, or whether we actually, after this little adjustment in February, go only to, say, half a percent price falls, 6% annualised, and that we get, start getting a like a bit of a curve saying that this pain in housing prices is coming to an end. 
even with a couple more rate hikes. And then, of course, if we get to the middle of the year and there's this conversation, oh, inflation's nice and low, oh, the economy's a bit weak, and there's chatter even, not the actual rate cuts, but there's chatter that the rate-cutting cycle could start in early 2024, it's off to the races. So we may be nearing the bottom of the house price spiral down. Yep. Um, at least it's slowing down. Um, it may get sped up if the RBA goes again and. April, May, <laughs> um, hopefully not. Um, there is going to be a bit of pressure in due course um, when the fixed rate, so-called fixed rate cliff hits us. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's 800,000 borrowers, 800,000 borrowers at a total um, universal of five or six million borrowers. So that's like 20%. Yeah, 20% of people a, with a mortgage are facing this cliff. One-off jump, as you yeah. said, 3% or 3.5% percentage And points. it's a lot. Yeah. Um, yep. And most of them are going to be at neutral cash or negative cash once they start paying the extra amount. But so, you know, our mate Joy Boy, he's still yeah. saying 25% yeah. um, from peak to trough, in other words, from the beginning of 2022 to sometime this year. Yep. Um, we're travelling towards that territory. Um, I guess it all depends on what this fixed rate cliff does and yep. what the RBA does next what couple the of RBA weeks. Does, not just next week but the next few months yeah, is yeah. going to be critical and just by the way i've seen amp anz nab i think they're all forecasting peak to trough house price declines of 15 18 numbers of that ballpark more so, than where we are at the moment oh another another five to seven to eight percent from where we are today yeah yeah, yeah. So, so building on what we've already had in, in terms of the decline. And because you can't stop the momentum. It no, doesn't, no, no. It doesn't it's, stop it's, overnight. Yeah, it's, it's that proverbial tanker, the, the oil tanker. It takes a while to turn it around. Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, thanks, Kooky. That was unreal. We've covered a lot of ground. Um, I think that um, – I, look, I agree with everything you've had to say and I found it really interesting today, particularly the board. The board's telling us a lot. It's telling us a lot. Thanks, Mark. And thanks, it's, Mark. Uh, it, We're in this grey area. We're getting close to the end of this rate hiking. Well, we know it's better. It's not – May last year when we were at the beginning of it. Yes, that's right. And the economy's slowing down yeah. as it had to. Yep. So the RBA will be pleased. It can deflect some of this criticism that it's copped this last year or so. We please, we've achieved the slowdown. I reckon they'll keep criticising him, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, Googie. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance... Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.